Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Hannah Phillips with us. And Hannah is a primary school teacher. She teaches kindergarten in Dubai. She's originally from the UK, and she actually was awarded a medal called the British Empire Medal for her services to charity. I am so excited to interview uh, Hannah today. First, um, because I mostly have interviewed teachers that are in like high school, um, that have been in the field for a really long time. I think getting the perspective from a new teacher who's just entered in, into the field and also teaching in another country very different from where you know she's from, I think we can gain a lot of perspective from Hannah. So thank you for being on the teacher story today. Thank you for having me. So my first question for you is what was your inspiration to get into teaching? Was there anything that kind of um, was you know, came to you in your early years or young adult years or something through college? Um, It's always really funny. I never grew up like dreaming of becoming a teacher, if that makes sense. And I don't feel like it's a job that you fall into because obviously you have to work quite hard and there's a lot of placement hours and, you know, you have to be dedicated. Um, But I think it got to a certain point in my life. I'm the eldest of four children um, and there's a 12-year gap or 11-year gap between myself and the youngest, um, my sister. And I became quite um, motherly towards her, would look after her quite a lot. And I always found that very fun. And I always enjoyed being around children's energy. Like the more I grew up, there's just such um, an innocence and purity about them, especially the young ones. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying the older ones don't have that, but the young ones for me, I just was drawn to them. I loved like giggling with them and just being creative with them. So I think it was a mix of growing up in sort of like a kind of big family, you could say, and then just, um, being around them either through like babysitting or or working I did a lot of, of um, entertainment work mm. um, when I was kind of 16 17 coming into like the working world and that kind of just inspired me at a time to just to just try it and I, I just thought if, if I enjoy being around them then I know that in the school environment there's a lot that they can teach me as well as I can teach them, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. I've talked about that too on some episodes where I think we're moving into, and we've been there, but especially now in this century of like co-creation with our students and seeing the teacher and the student as like a collaborative team. And I love that yeah. even at the kindergarten level, the primary <laughs> school level, you can learn so much from your students. And I've seen so many people post on social media recently, you know, it's summertime and parents are spending time with their kids because they're not in school. And there's been, there's, there's so many posts about, oh, I'm watching my children and I'm learning through them, or they made this like insightful statement. And it just was like, wow, the wisdom that comes out of like a babe's mouth. And yeah. I think it just, <laughs> it just makes you 
you know, feel so, so much joy because you can see this innocence, but also this like real sense of wonder and beauty um, that they take in from the world. And I love that. Like I originally was going to go into elementary education. And then just for me, I realized like, it, like you, you're certified in a lot of grade levels. It's a lot. <laughs> it is something I think most people even in the profession, but definitely out of the teaching profession, they don't see how much goes into being a primary school teacher. It is a lot, like it is a lot more work, a lot more preparation um, than Mm. you even have to do in the upper school or high school level. So I really see that. I think sometimes as well, it's the energy. Like Mm. I've had classes of 25 children and that's a lot of five-year-olds in one space (laughs) who who are incredibly curious and amazing, but it's very difficult to divide your attention, mm-hmm. um, you know, to all of them and, and be like, you know, there's a set like exploring ants on the floor and someone else has spilt something down their clothes. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to wear so many different hats. And sometimes I come home from school and I'm like, whoa. Um, so in terms of maybe like planning, it may not be as heavy as like over in the primary side. Mm-hmm. Um but still the day is like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. full on. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be on all the time. Like I think about like, even in my regular school day, if I'm lucky, I might get like two or three uh, prep periods where I can like grade or do my lesson planning or have a meeting. And sometimes there's other things that come up, but when you are, especially in kindergarten, you know, pre-K the early years, you're on almost the whole day, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> so you need a lot of yeah. energy. Yeah. Yeah. So you are teaching in Dubai and this is your, your first year there. And this is, is this your first assignment as a primary school teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So what, I don't know what <laughs> encouraged what, me to do. Yeah. That. I'd love to know uh, what, well, first kind of, how did you come to this opportunity to go to Dubai and how did you make that decision? And then like, give us a little bit of um, information about how your first year went. Okay, so I, I actually, um, I've been working with kids for a long time or children, I should call them. Um, you know, since about 17, I mentioned, I was doing loads of different things. And then when I did my degree, I actually did a degree that had a three-year placement. So for the three years I was studying, I was on placement and, and in a school. And I really enjoyed it. And for me, that was experience, you know, like I was at the forefront teaching. Um, I was with the children, lesson planning and all of that. And then in the UK, you have to do a um, you have to do a an extra year called a PGC year, which gives you that official primary certificate if you if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and I did that and I spent time in grade two and grade five so year two and year five and just as I was in the middle of that I just was like you know what I really want a bit of change like I really fancy doing something different I always find winter in the UK very hard Um, international schools tend to be quite multicultural depending Mm on where you go and I'm one for just like taking a risk Mm. (laughs) packing my bags and you know Dubai was I explored a lot of different locations I explored more like Europe 
based and um I also then was looking at you know different emirates and it just so happened I wasn't hearing back wasn't hearing back and then one night I just literally went onto the teacher website that you kind of apply through and um I just filtered all the quick apply options and um, so you mm-hmm. know the ones where your cv is kind of already uploaded and yes, you're just kind yeah. of uploading it and I just was like there were three schools in Dubai and I just went click 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 and um, yeah, within about two weeks, this school that I'm in now had contacted me and I got the job and I was just like, okay, well, that's it then. I'm off. Um, wow. So it's nice. Obviously, it's, it, it was challenging in terms of it being the first year. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's like and um, the system where, where you are specifically, but in the UK, you have to do like the degree and then you get the PGC and then you have two years of newly qualified teacher status Mm, so you have you have two years to kind of get that so there's kind of still a bit of mentoring and stuff that you go through and luckily enough my school was here I was able to offer that so I did kind of look for particular things like I wanted somewhere that could help me complete those two years you know like transitioning into a new teacher Mm -hmm. and then I just wanted the adventure like I just Mm. I like to just take risks sometimes and I just thought why not I was still living at home back home with my family which there's nothing wrong with that but also it would give me a bit of independence and Mm -hmm. you know maybe actually feel like I'm a bit of an adult in in the world at some point yeah and just to kind of um I love always talking about how uh teaching and the certification process is here in America compared to other places and it's kind of similar I'm in an independent school a private school so it's a little different but if you work in the public school system there's a lot of Mm. levels of certification so I did start in the public school system so you go to college university you do your four years and usually by the end of your four years you do either one semester or some places one full year of student teaching and that is not like a full-time job you don't get paid for it it's kind of like an internship and you are though fully teaching in a classroom for either three months or it could be the whole year depending on your program And then after that, you have to take a series of um, tests to get certified. And every single state in the United States is different. (laughs) So that's Mm. fun. So moving around can be very difficult. Um, I got certified in Pennsylvania. That's where I went to school. And then I got a job in Hawaii, which was my first like full-time teaching job. And they required two different tests on top of what I already took. So then Ah. I had to go and take two other tests was able to do that in my area, but to get certified for Hawaii. Luckily, Pennsylvania has a pretty strong certification program. It's just, they had this unique requirement in Hawaii that I was able to transfer my certification to where I'm at now in New Jersey. And also I think you can transfer it to like many States around us, but it's so Mm. different. And then you do have the same thing. You have a instructional one, instructional two. And I only ever had instructional one. I think I might've had instructional two with the Hawaii surf of Pennsylvania. I left like right after college. So your instructional one is like early teacher, just getting started, need some mentorship. You have to do a lot of professional development. You submit that to the state. And then after like so many years and professional development, then you get the status of instructional two, which you have that cert for a lot longer period of time. I think the instructional one you only have for like two to five years or something like that. So you have to like continue. So for the listeners out there, the learning never stops. Ever. <laughs> like if you're a teacher, 
not only because you purely want to learn, most teachers purely want to learn. That's why we go into it. Like we're, you know, the, the saying lifelong learner, but you're actually required to continue training, yeah. professional development, even schooling. Many places in America, they expect you to have your master's degree. So that's like additional years and, you know, time for that and money. Usually that's not paid for. So there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why there's a huge concert controversy right now, at least in America with our teacher shortage, there's some States, um, and I'm not going to name them right now, but there's some States where they're like, oh, we have a teacher shortage. What are we going to do? We need to just like get basically people in the classroom. And they're just like giving out certifications as long as, you know, these individuals like pass a test, pass a certain amount of tests, take wow. a couple courses and then get them in the classroom, almost like an emergency hire for the school year. And I get, it could be an emergency, but also like, look at everything that we have to do to be a qualified teacher. Like it takes away our credentials when yeah. boom, someone can just like go into a classroom. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on, at least in America right now. So I, um, I'm glad you talked about that because it is kind of similar, but kind of different. And the fact that we have states, it's like very different every yeah. state you go to. And I think you're right about teacher shortage. Um, I think that's quite common yeah. across the board, um, you know, and it's sad, but I also understand that, mm -hmm. yeah, there are a lot of loopholes um, that you have to go through, like this NQT year that you have to do, it used to be one year. Mm -hmm. And the year I graduated, they extended it to two. And I was just like, ah, oh, why? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, I kind of, you know, the justification is that people may need more time or better mentorship or whatever. But at the same time, having just done like four years of studying, I was like, I just, you know, like, I've got the essential piece of paper that you want. This is mm -hmm. just an extra thing. But the thing that for me, is basically the reason it's important to get it is because if I want to go back to the UK, mm -hmm. most places would only take me if I have that. Okay. So it, yeah. it's a bit like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It can be a bit like, ah. So tell us a little bit about your experience in Dubai with teaching or culturally or your lifestyle there. Anything you want to share about this last year? Um, the lifestyle was very different. I mean, different and not. Like, I love the sunshine. Um, it's very city vibes and I come from like London um, so pretty much quite near the center of London so I'm used to the kind of hustle and bustle but you also get like the beach and the sun so that was very mm -hmm. nice um, the days in school are very different so back mm -hmm. home I used to start school maybe I'd get into school like half past eight and start by like maybe nine here I'm in school at like seven, quarter wow. to seven, and my children are in by ten past seven. Wow. Um, yeah, which I think actually is incredibly early. It's very like, early. Even for children, it's you know they're they're barely like stumbling out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a bit of a shock, and the day is is very different. Um, you know they have they have. Um, Arabic class and Islamic class and PE and those are taught by specialist teachers even in the early years so for me that was very different because uh, obviously back home even in primary I was teaching pretty much throughout there may have been like a music specialist or a drama specialist mm -hmm. but other than that I was with my children the majority of the time so it's kind of nice to have that time I think also there's a different expectation here from uh, parents 
you know you're always going to cross parents that maybe don't you know don't quite align with what you're doing or have a few questions or you know challenge you in certain ways but I think here I noticed that more that parents had more access to us Mm. um as teachers you know back home parents didn't even have my email nothing Mm -hmm. um there was one kind of certified platform that we use and that was it but here it's very you know well they're the customer at the end of the day and putting Mm -hmm. them at the the -hmm. forefront and I I guess it is for me run a bit more business-like okay and I think sometimes you lose an element of you know humanity maybe in that mm-hmm. but I also understand that it's like if I were to work in a private school back home I'd probably right. be you know coming up against similar challenges mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. overall I've enjoyed it it's been it's been nice it's been really nice to get to know uh, teachers from kind of across the world like there mm-hmm. are the people um you know have come from different backgrounds and different journeys and Mm -hmm. you know specializing in in different subjects so that's really nice and it's a school that's literally so like kindergarten all the way through to like sixth form Mm -hmm. so year 13 I don't know what the equivalent for you guys is for that 12th um, grade is our highest yeah Yeah. so it's like huge 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 um facility and that in itself is really Mm. interesting to navigate because you Mm -hmm, realize mm -hmm. that you're actually like a small drop in this quite Mm. big kind of institution if that Mm. makes sense Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so that that's been interesting to kind of navigate that I personally would like to see more you know engagement in terms of older children and younger children begin to mix I think if you've got a facility that has such a wide age range Mm -hmm. it's amazing I don't know for children in secondary to come and read to the little ones Mm -hmm. or the little Mm -hmm. ones to go and inspire them to do something else or just Mm -hmm. you know be able to to play with them and have that kind of interaction I think it's really important for children to have that anyway Mm -hmm. um so that would be nice and then culturally obviously it's a uh, you know majority out here it's a completely different religion to what I knew back home Mm -hmm. um but it's been really interesting to kind of explore that and be a part of that like obviously we had Ramadan and things here I had Mm -hmm. never been you know I've been exposed to it back home but from people that I knew that were Mm. Muslim um Mm -hmm. not when a whole kind of country is um you know taking part in that and celebrating that and and taking that moment for them so that was very interesting we work half days during kind of Ramadan because obviously people are fasting right um so that that was a very interesting time for me um, to kind Um, of navigate that I'm curious just to there's a couple points that I want to touch on yeah no problem (laughs) with it being you know um, majority Muslim in the school is there a religious aspect like does the school stop for prayer five times a day or do they do other kinds of services or anything I wonder like how the school system is there with like religion in school obviously in America and public schools we have separation of church and state but yeah. I wonder, like, in a country that's predominantly Muslim, if that happens in the school. Yeah. So, obviously, in this, I've not been in loads of schools in Dubai. And I think it differs, obviously, from where you go. But in the school that I'm in, prayer will play kind of in the overhead speakers. Okay. Um, we don't necessarily stop, although my children, <laughs> my children would always be like, miss it, the prayer's going, like, oh. we have to be quiet. And I would always mm. respect that, you know, who am yeah. I to to tell them any different um and um I think you know staff prayed 
um you know on their own accord like mm-hmm. if they wanted to it's um it wasn't really imposed upon us if that makes sense but obviously yeah, as yeah. staff you could do it and I know um yeah there's space for the students as well to to go mm. and have that time so it, it is an option it's accessible to them and obviously mm. it plays in the school so we know um, and obviously they study Arabic and Islamic studies mm. so that's still you know very much mm-hmm. within their um culture and religion so yeah, yeah. It, it's around um you know um, and obviously we have international days and things like that where we wear uh, you mm. know some of the teachers come in in the traditional clothing like abaya then okay you know they celebrate their culture quite a lot which is oh that's wonderful it's nice to be a part of yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to take it all in when you are someone you know from a different country I think just learning about different religion and cultures particularly I think particularly Muslim I'm coming from the American perspective, but I think I love, you know, teaching about the Middle East in my class. I teach world history, but um, I used to, and I had more of like a world cultures class, also teach like religion as far as like, Mm. not like practicing the religion, but just like the history of the religion, the tenets of the religion. And I loved teaching about Islam because a lot of, at least American perspective, I think it's getting better, but there's still a lot of Islamophobia. And there's a lot of people who don't really understand the religion and they just still maybe only get what they see in the news, particularly after like Mm. 9-11, the Afghanistan war. Um, So when I taught it this past year, well, I teach world history in the 20th century and I taught about um, the Soviet Union invade in Afghanistan. One thing I wanted to pair with it, besides just like learning the history, is that we, and I think I might have them read the book next year, but I showed them the film Kite Runner and it's beautiful, oh, such a beautiful film, such a beautiful film, such a beautiful story. I used to use the, <clears throat> the book and the movie together as part of the curriculum in my last school. And the students were like, thank you for showing me this because literally I had no idea what really Afghanistan looked like before all of this, you know, and mm. I had no idea about the culture and this beautiful story about friendship and family and tradition. They got such a different perspective and it allowed them to have more empathy about that particular region of the world so when they hear things happening in the news they have like another lens about it and ultimately like that's something I think we should be teaching in schools I mean again I'm coming from the history aspect but like anything you teach is like how do we teach empathy like how do we teach like yeah you know just children to be open-minded good human beings who want to like learn from others and it's okay to say, I don't know something, or maybe yeah. I only know this because I see it in the news and I know I, I don't know the whole picture. Like, can you, can you teach me? So there's this like educational humility about, you know, wanting to recognize what you don't know. And then like, mm-hmm. well, how am I going to learn that perspective? So I think you being in another country, anybody that teaches in another, another culture, another country, it, I think really um, enhances you as an educator, you know, as a person, but as an educator, like you can, you will take that with you everywhere you go. Like I know my experience in Hawaii and then teaching in China for a summer, I bring that with me everywhere I go. And I feel like if there's, you know, in the future, another opportunity to do like a summer position, um, I would love to do that because it just opens your eyes up to the world. And then when you hear about it in the news and people are like all talking about a country, you're like, that's not fully how it is. Yeah, right? yeah. That's that was the exactly government. the case for me. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was exactly like when you're immersed in something, 
it's completely different to when you're just hearing snippets of information. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was, that's so true. The point you made about um, the older students working with the younger students, <laughs> I love, yeah. not everyone has that opportunity to have a campus where you have yeah. all of the grades. I have that at my school. We have pre-K through 12th grade and we actually do events at our school. So I was going to kind of ask you if there's any more like formal events that we we get together maybe two or three times as a school, obviously over COVID, we did it over Zoom. Yeah, impossible. But now coming back to the regular school year, we should do it in person where we do Thanksgiving. We do like a big event because Thanksgiving is a big holiday here. So uh, we bring the whole school together and we do these little groups where some people in the group are like older kids, like 11th, 12th grade, some are middle school, like sixth grade, seventh grade. And then they have like the little ones and they're all working together. And then you have the older kids teaching the younger kids and the teachers are just facilitating. Like we're just supervising and it's all about the older kids, like mentoring the little ones. And I Mm. love that. Like if you have that opportunity, definitely, definitely use that. So I don't know if you have any like events that go on where that does happen, where the kids get together or something you could promote in your school. Yeah. I mean, definitely as a department last year, we were kind of pushing for it a little bit. Um, and I think this year we will continue to do so. The yeah. only ones I can think of are maybe International Day. But mm. again, it was kind of more primary or mixing, you know, like still quite separate. Mm. Whereas for me, I would love, you know, once a week or once a month, mm. whatever, yeah. someone from secondary to come down and read my children a story yes. or someone from fifth yeah. grade to come and do the same thing. Or, you know, even just small things like library time or something, mm. you know, let's, let's group them together and have them read to each other because it also empowers the students, you know, mm-hmm. like, for the little ones, it makes them see, I don't know, maybe a glimpse into the future yeah. or, you know. They love you know, the my big, big bro- Yeah, my big brother's in that class or my big sister mm. or, you know, mm. they love that. There's a certain, you know, they they inspire to, to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's great. And, and for the older children or for the young adults, I just think it, it gives them a bit of autonomy and a sense of empowerment to kind of just yeah. be like, yeah, I can... I can do this and I can be with younger children and you know I've learned more than I thought this year because mm-hmm. I can go and relay the information onto someone else yeah that's so important and I think the older students it's probably different you know maybe country to country but ultimately it's a generation right we all were teenagers when you become a certain age you kind of get a little like a little apathetic or a little jaded, you know, and you're like, I know (laughs) this, I just want to get out of school, whatever. But if you give those older kids something that brings them back to the community and they have ownership, like you're going to help out with these little kids, you're going to read to them, or maybe you're going to help them with a project, you know, Mm. tutoring, whatever. It gives them so much more buy-in to their community and they see how important it is to be like a full member in that community. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to see it more in our school too, just on like a regular basis and not yes. just like an event. Yes. Um, <laughs> you had a little bit of time there, at least towards this kind of later part of the pandemic. Do you want to talk a little bit about any kind of aha moments or challenges or things that you took away and learned from, especially your first teaching job in another country and like kind of still in this pandemic phase? 
Yeah, I know. It was wild, honestly. <laughs> we taught online. For, uh, when I when we first started, I think there was certain a certain online expectation and mm. me and a fellow colleague were just like, you know what, we'll kind of take it from like a YouTube channel perspective. <laughs> and we like, there were certain things we needed to teach and get across that we kind mm. of just made it fun for ourselves and did it together and used resources on screen because at that time it was pre-recorded. And then come um January time um yeah come January time we were online and you know that was great maybe we were online for two weeks but trying to be with five-year-olds online Mm. is a very you know you have to be on the ball and you have to be kind of creative in what you're doing Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you run into tech challenges and you run into all sorts of kind of challenges. I think for me, the key thing was just be patient. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, children are incredibly intelligent. Mm -hmm. And if they miss out on a few things here and there, they'll Mm -hmm. either either catch up or they'll find another way to learn it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. for me, I, I would get very, very stressed. Like I'm not covering things. I'm not, but Like I am still covering things and sometimes it just means that you need to strip back a little bit Mm -hmm. and, you know, take Mm -hmm. it small steps at a time, especially when you're online, because, you know, you had to, especially in my case, I had to be very creative, like, you Mm -hmm. know, go and find me something that starts with the letter O. Or, you know, so that they're also moving because asking mm. them to sit in front of a screen for half an hour, it's different if you give them a game and they're playing on their game on a screen. But mm. when you're trying to engage with them, it yeah. can be, oof, it can be quite, I, I, I almost found being online more tiring than mm-hmm. physically being in school. But I also remember like when I was training, I was teaching a year five class and we had some sessions online and we had a couple of sessions a week where we would just kind of invite the children on to talk. And I think for me, that was some of the most beautiful moments mm. for me during the pandemic because mm. Children are just so creative. And even if they're Mm -hmm. just all on a screen, they'll still find a way to play a game or Mm -hmm. talk to each other. And, you know, that was so beautiful to kind of be a part of. And we Mm -hmm. forget, you know, sometimes it's just important to see the world through children's Mm -hmm. eyes and Mm -hmm. almost make something out of nothing. I think that there were times I'm like, oh, my gosh, not online again. And you pop up and, like, there's three kids holding their dogs on the screen. And you're like, yeah, okay, like... Yeah. here we go you know so I think it, it taught me to kind of seek the goodness in the moments where I'm like oh I feel a bit stuck if yeah. that makes sense no it does yeah. and I love this idea of children are so adaptable and malleable yeah. like they <laughs> they probably handled the situation better than most adults did and like they I remember in, cause we have the three division school, we do meeting for worship. So it's a Quaker school. And so it's um, Quaker is part of a Protestant faith. So we do have like a, it's not like a church service, but you just meeting for worship as you sit in kind of like silence. And then yeah, whoever wants to speak to give messages to the community or things that maybe they want people to like, think about what's going on in their life. They do that. Teenagers, especially in the height of the pandemic, like cameras off, 
I have nothing to say. Yeah. I'm like not engaged. Like they lost it like right away. There were moments where we really had great engagement when there were pretty important and heavy conversations to have. But whenever we came to meeting for worship and it was the whole school and we had the little kids on there, they would come up to the camera and they like turn it on and they'd be like, hi, I just want to say everyone, I'm thinking of you and we're all going to be okay. Uh, and I'm like, they're just so sweet. And like, they yeah. really care. Like it's coming from like a really pure place. And yeah, then yeah. when we had like earth week, this was so cute. So we did earth week. So then we had an earth week assembly and it's the same thing. You can come to the camera and say something. And of course it was all the little kids and they're like, we need to love the earth. We can't let the earth get sick because it won't be here anymore. And we need her. Aww. I'm like, just these beautiful, like very yeah. sweet and like simple, but powerful messages. And there's so much we can learn from them, but they're so adaptable and they just want to like, you know, maybe we're not doing it the same way in school in person, but Hey, I'm here with my teacher online. And like, you want to help me like find something in my house or, and like they get into it and they get excited. And I love the idea of bringing uh, their dogs or animals on camera. Cause that was like my favorite. Yeah, so nice. That was my favorite part of being virtual is that we got a lot of time to kind of see each other's pets. And it was a great icebreaker at the beginning of class, just to make everyone smile when everyone was just so tired and frustrated with being isolated. And we're like, Hey, mm. but we can like, I brought my dogs on screen and like other, you know, students did too. So I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. I think it reminded us what community is in a sense, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, there's a, that you are right there's a purity in children but there's also incredible honesty mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like sometimes I'd be wearing my glasses in class and they're like miss you look like a ladybird or I'd come in with my hair in like a messy bun because I've not done it in the morning and they're like miss what's happened to your hair and I'm like wow yeah. I can't let anything slip here yeah and it goes to show how much they are observing every single thing yeah. about it's us so at all time yeah. I mean, even yeah. at the high school level, there was this one time at my last school, I guess I just like did not, I wear makeup to school, but I just did not wear makeup and I have pretty dark circles under my eyes and I just forgot to wear it. And it was an all girls school. So we we're a little bit more like, and you know, me being a female teacher, a little bit more yeah. close to sharing. And they're like, wow, you look really sick today. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sick. I just, I think I just forgot to put like my makeup on under my eyes. They're like, oh Yeah. Yeah, you don't look so good. I'm like, thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Guys. But you so just nice. have to, you just have to laugh because, like, in yeah. a way, they say that because they're so comfortable with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's which so is funny. nice. Yeah. Um. So of, of course, you got just a little bit of that that uh, pandemic feeling. Hopefully, you know, coming into next year, it'll be like a nice, full, normal year. So just our as my last question, kind of thinking ahead. Um, anything that you see in education, even early on as a younger teacher that could uh, be improved upon, maybe ideas of places that you, you talked when we met before about schools in Denmark um, and how mm. you liked kind of like their educational programming, things that maybe we could take away. And I don't know, part of this podcast too, is just to like share ideas because maybe that will inspire yeah. people to change things in the system. Because I think both especially where you're at now, but in the UK and in America, for the most part, there's still, there are many progressive schools, but it's still very traditional. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to get your ideas. For me, it's more play, 
but across yeah. the board, like not just in the early years and in the early years thinking about authentic play and also mm. how are we encouraging our teachers to play? You know, some mm. departments are led, um, you know, curriculum is based on, um, you know, curiosity learning or exploratory, very hands-on, very project-focused. But are we immersing our teachers into that for then to for them to then be able and, and do that in the in the classroom? I think sometimes we become very monotonous as teachers, yeah. you know, it can be tiring day in, day out. So I think there's there's two parts to this. It's kind of looking after the teachers in the right way so that they can then go and empower and bring their ideas forward and think out of the box and be with their students in that way. I think sometimes we take mental health in schools as like a tick box exercise. Mm. And I would love to see that kind of be dismantled and changed so that, you know, we're having, I don't know, well-being champions or happiness officers, or I don't know, however way you want to envision it. But just so that we're putting well-being at the forefront of our education system because we want to, not because we have to, to tick mm-hmm. a certain box. Mm-hmm. Because I really feel like, you know, and we were speaking about it before, about the shortage and everything, you know, part of it is how do you actually get into teaching? But another, another part of that is, you know, why are people not staying in teaching? Because maybe they're not, you know, looked mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that it's anyone's particular responsibility. We all have a part to right. play in that. Right. But I just think it's about, you know breaking down this thing that oh yeah we're a school that do well-being I don't know because we I don't know stick a nice poster on the wall or Mm. you know sometimes some of the things seem so tick box and it's like if you actually want to embed that into your school it has to become a part of your culture Mm. and you have to be providing that for your your teachers and your students alike Mm. Mm -hmm. and also you know we want to bring well-being into schools and mental health obviously is on the rise after the pandemic and all of that but are we equipping our teachers with the adequate training mm-hmm. um, to actually deal with that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I love being with my children, sometimes they share things and, you know, you absorb that as a person and you mm-hmm. absorb all of their energy. And so how are we supporting our kind of teachers in that way? And then if we're mm-hmm. thinking more like curriculum based and, you know, um, learning styles, I think for me, play should be at the forefront of everything that we do Mm. uh, whether that's kindergarten or whether that's I don't know grade six or you know higher um you know even university level I think that Mm. to an extent when Mm -hmm. I so I did a a semester abroad in Denmark and I was teaching and I was studying at the same time and the curriculum at that university is something I've never I've never experienced anything like it it was just amazing. It was very artsy, like drama, filming, mm. very holistic, very um, hands-on learning, but also our way of, um, you know, providing assignments was also very hands-on. So there were options, you know, you could kind of write or you could go and do something a bit more creative. And for some people that works better. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gave us flexibility. And in the schools, I just felt such a sense of community, mm. you know, such a, okay, it was smaller classes and the, the schools were generally smaller, so they're at an advantage with that. But, you know, if the children wanted to be outside, they were outside and it was our responsibility to kind of mm. make sure that happened. It wasn't the other way around, you know, where we mm. had very rigid set timetables. And for me, it's like, by doing that, we're interfering with what the children are learning. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know what we're stopping by being like, right, okay, like, let's pack away, it's time for math. 
um you know and I I think sometimes we lose that awareness and you know I understand progress is important structure is important for children but can we do it in a way that's still allowing the children Mm -hmm. to have the autonomy and be like truly be the protagonists of their lives because Mm. essentially as they grow older that's what we encourage them to be so why Mm -hmm. not kind of do that from the very beginning Mm-hmm. so in a nutshell <laughs> that's what I would um say or like to see or I don't know like to to be a part of and then contribute to this kind of bigger I think yeah. sometimes maybe the word is you know sometimes we're too institutionalized how yes. do we break away from that how do we bring back the hope and the humor and the humanity and the you know just the fact that we know we're all human beings and mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to just be in that that community without such a a harsh agenda I love everything you just said and the one (laughs) the one quote I wrote down I tend to write down quotes throughout and yes this is so beautiful you you said can we truly be the protagonists of their life and I love that because we have to model what we want to see in them as adults, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to be the models for that. If we're stressed out, frustrated, we got to move on to this. We got to do this. And we look like Mm. we're just like checking boxes and going through the motions. They're absorbing all of that. They are taking all that in. So then when they become young adults, they're just going to keep doing it. We're in this cycle that doesn't work anymore. The industrial Mm. revolution and the factory system schooling that came out of it doesn't work anymore. Also, the, yeah. industrial, the industrial revolution got us to where we are right now with climate change and everything else, right? Like yeah. progress, like you said, is important. We got to a certain point and we're going to continue to have more scientific medical advancements. Great. But there needs to be a hybrid system. And I think this is what we can learn from the pandemic because everything we did was hybrid. It was like mixing yeah. old and new. I would love to see a hybrid system of you still have some structure. We obviously still have things that are important to have in curriculum, but how do we build into the day? Not a checkbox of like, let's offer this after school. Like we have like, here's a yoga program. If teachers want to sign up or here's a pretty poster, here's some healthy snacks, but how do we like genuinely build into the schedule or build into the day, creating a culture of we're going to just stop. We're going to just stop yes. and we're going to do oh my some gosh, mindfulness yes. and we're going to breathe and we're going to get off the of devices and we're going to just be in this moment. Mm. And that's like one reason I really like at least being at a Quaker school, because once a week on Wednesdays, we have that meeting for worship for 40 minutes. I mean, it's only 40 minutes, but we got something where we just literally pause and sit in silence and put away all of our devices. And then if you want to speak about something, you speak about something. And it's usually very healing during a very difficult time that we're going through Mm. in the world, our country. Like we, when there was the recent school shooting in Texas at Uvalde Elementary School, that was a powerful meeting for worship. There were many students that stood to talk about it. And there was even one student who I had in my class who was crying because he's like thinking about his little sister and like, what if that was her? And like, she doesn't go to a school like this, but this could happen at any school, but like just a mm. regular public school where you see this happening and you have those moments to really just stop 
and reflect and think and then connect as a community. But I would love to mm. see that on like a daily basis. And yeah. we have to, like you said, strip things down, like strip it. And I was talking about that on the last episode with Hope and about the teacher circle is that there was this push to, we have all this learning loss. All these kids are learning so much. We got to accelerate. We got to do more, shove more in, test more. That is going to fail. Like it's not going to work. Yeah. We have to really come together as a collective and say, it is okay. The kids are okay. They're learning. They're learning in lots of different ways. Mm. What they can actually gain from is if we slow down and we take care of them and we take care of ourselves and it has to be a school culture. I love that you had this opportunity in Denmark as a teacher and student to see a completely different system. And like, if the kids wanted to play or keep playing, they just, they fed into what Mm. the kids wanted. And it's that natural cycle of like, this is how I'm learning because you learn through play and you can learn through play as a young adult. Like I would love to see like a recess time or play time, even at the upper school level, you know, and just again, get off devices and go play outside, go like communicate with each other, but not be on phones. Like that's what they're doing all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why it needs to be embedded in the system as well, because, you know, you were saying about, you know, yoga after, um, after class or in the afternoons but also like if you're dumping a lot on teachers they don't go to those things because they've got stuff to do yeah yeah so it's about yeah finding a way to intertwine it yeah absolutely a little Um, bit better I had a schedule in Hawaii that and again it wasn't like focused necessarily on like holistic mental health but going back to the schedule and giving breathing room to teachers can allow them to then do more as a professional. And so we Mm. had, this was a public school. So this wasn't like this progressive school. And I don't know if it was at other public schools, but I was at a middle school. So it was seventh and eighth grade. And every Wednesday we ended at like 1230 or one o'clock. So the students got to go home and then we spent the rest of the day from one to three having lunch together, community. Then oh, so nice. one week would be and it was potluck. Like we'd all bring like either different departments would be signed up to bring different food or we all just brought something. And then one week would be a department meeting. One would be faculty. One would be professional development. And then one would be like some other new initiative. So you got it all done and you put it into the day. There wasn't this yeah, like, oh, we got to yeah. find after school time or before school time. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, and it was no. community coming together and everyone felt like, like this day because it's like a half day of teaching mm. so it gives you a break in the middle of the week with like, the students too and with grading and then you just got time as a community of teachers to come together yeah eat to together, come together yeah eat together wow talk together learn together but they knew how to do it they did it right and yeah yeah oh. I think we got to come back to community too because we've all been isolated in this like mm. time, you know exactly yeah yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you are staying in Dubai this next year. Yeah. Do you, what are your future plans or like, what are you looking forward to this um, next school year kind of plans ahead in teaching? Um, so I, obviously I'm looking forward to receiving a whole new group of children. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, our school is going through quite a big change. We're getting a new head of primary and a new head of um, 
foundation stage that dynamic will change it'll be nice to kind of um see what what happens obviously the previous ones will be missed but I, I think it's always good for um mm. for change in schools you know mm -hmm. just something different it, mm -hmm. it can never do well hopefully it won't do any harm <laughs> yeah. I think it's just nice to have you know another set of eyes or a new perspective so that that'll be nice and then um I don't know. I don't know if I'll stay in Dubai or if I'll, um, you know, maybe go and explore other parts of the world. I'm really keen, keen to, um, there's a couple of schools in, in Bali that I would love to teach in or over in Costa Rica who are kind mm. of a little bit maybe off grid and kind of, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're within communities and they just teach children kind of how to be in the world as opposed to very structured curriculums. Yeah. That's something I would love, love, love to explore. Um, but who knows? I've heard there's like a saying that kind of goes around in Dubai that you're either here for two years or you're here for 10. So <laughs> we'll see. I'm either going to like hit my two year mark and go or I I'm going to be, you'll be talking to me in 10 years and I'll still be, <laughs> I'll still be That's here. funny. That's so funny. You brought up Costa Rica. First of all, I love Costa Rica. I was there. Oh my a gosh, few it's years. amazing. Uh, yeah, I was there a few years ago with a school trip with my previous school and my best friend who's a Spanish teacher and it was a Spanish immersion trip and I just was the chaperone who didn't know Spanish <laughs> so I was like trying <laughs> trying to follow along but I loved it it's a beautiful country oh it's all amazing about sustainability all about holistic everything they don't have military like peace it's just wonderful and there's going to be yeah. a teacher I'm actually interviewing this week um who is a primary teacher from Costa Rica so I'll wow, have, put I'll me have in her. Touch. Yes, I should. I will um I'll connect you with her on LinkedIn. She's on yes, LinkedIn. Please. And so we're gonna have a conversation, and it's gonna be also my second um kind of beginning of starting this round table series where I have multiple teachers on and we have a conversation together. Ooh. So I'm gonna interview her, get to know her background, and then bring on another teacher that's friends with her. And then we're gonna talk about some ideas of kind of still with like the mental health aspect, but we're also going to talk about the metaverse a little bit. Cause that's kind of like yeah. a new hot topic, but also like how it's important for teachers to know what is coming out. Cause our kids are already there. Mm -hmm. And like, so we can support them and we know like what is great, but what, what could be detrimental as well. If you go too yeah. far into it. So we might talk about that, but I will hook you up with her and yes, her please. episodes out. I'm sure she's going to share a ton about what teaching in Costa Rica is like, especially at the yeah, primary level. I will listen for sure. Yeah, that's great. So nice having you on Hannah. I Thank you learned, so much. Yeah. I learned so much. I love having um, a younger teacher on who's just starting out. You have so much energy, <laughs> yes! so much passion. You really, you really get it. Like you get what education should look like and what's good for our children. And I really appreciate that. And I hope that you have a really great school year this year. Enjoy the rest of your holiday though first. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you so much. It was so nice to see you. Bye. Bye.